Hello, welcome to I Love Rock and Roll. I'm Ken Krantz. Hello, chaps, and I'm Eric Clapton. <laughs> yeah, this is hot, hot off the presses. We got Eric Clapton here tonight. Yeah, I'm ending this recording right now. <laughs> I've got the bell bottom blues. How are you, chaps? What if I did this for the entire hour? You are already giving up on it. Like even in the middle yeah, of oh, that God, sentence. I'm, I'm, I'm way more tired of it than any of you are right now. I, I, I just, I'm just disappointed in myself. I'm Chip Chantry from America. (laughs) Shot out of a cannon today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, With us, uh, we have a guest. We have a very funny stand-up comedian and host of, with the exception of I Love Rock and Roll, my favorite (laughs) podcast to, to listen to, which I do religiously. And also, it's my it's my favorite podcast to go on as a guest. We have KP Burke from American Loser. What's going on, boys? Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, man. It's a it's a good one, man. I, it's my first time getting to meet Chip. Now it's through Zoom, so that's kind of cool. And Ken always yeah. kills it anytime he comes on my show. So this is uh, this is fun. The pressure's on. I know. Jeez, I, I feel. I, all right, I'm in. The, I'm in the zone. I'm ready to do this. I'm going to impress. And KP, do you know Kahuna? Uh, the Kahuna and I actually met um, January 6th at the Capitol building. You um, stop it now! <laughs> Don't you put out that false narrative bullshit? No. You realize it was the day after at the after party. That's Get it right. <laughs> yeah, one of my great friends and uh, the uh, he's he does for your guys' show and he does for my show as well. So of course we love the Kahuna. And I'm a big fan of Kahuna's uh, new album, In the Key of Insurrection. So. <laughs> in in the war on Christmas. Yeah. Uh, Omicron is coming to town. <laughs> so, uh, cats out of the bag. As, as Chip let, let out, we are. Uh, this week's topic is Eric Clapton. Um, he is, uh, he's in the news an awful lot lately. And he uh, he went from beloved to polarizing pretty quickly uh, during the pandemic. Um, before before we get into uh, that controversy, let's look at let's look at some of the stats. Chip, put them up. Um, worldwide record sales. Over 280 million. Uh, he's often ranked number one or number two on on every list of the greatest guitarists who ever lived. He, he usually falls right behind Jimi Hendrix. Uh, he is the only person on the planet uh, who is a three-time inductee into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There, there's he's in there with the Yardbirds. He's in there as a solo artist, and he's in there with Cream. And before this is over, I'm going to make the argument that he should probably be in there a fourth time. Derek and the Dominoes. Derek and the Dominoes. <laughs> um, so let's start. Let's start with the music. What a. KP, are you a Clapton fan? Big time. My mom is a huge fan, so I grew up listening to him a lot. Um, literally bell bottom blues might be my favorite Clapton song. And then, uh, in preparation for this, I rewatched the, uh, what was it VH1 did, uh, Dr. John and Clapton mixing up their stuff together. Oh, did they? Oh, it's pretty great, man. That's the, one of the better versions of Layla I've ever heard. 
I have to see that. So it's, it's Clapton with Dr. John doing Layla? Yeah, it's the two of them. So he, Dr. John brings a little New Orleans funk to uh, Clapton, and it works pretty well. Mm. I have to see that. Chip, what are, were you? I, yeah, I, I remember that series they did. I remember just watching the one with uh, Boz Skaggs and Tommy Two-Tone. Not as good. <laughs> Not, <laughs> I mean, bringing those two guys together just doesn't really do it for me. But uh, yeah, but the, the Dr. John and Clapton one would be great. Yeah, I'm a I, like I, I know his hits, so like I don't know all of the uh, I like I, I don't go s- super deep with it. Bell Bottom Blues might be my favorite as well, and um, I feel like that was one I, I found later. Like I I because it, it, it's just not a big radio airplay one, you know, like you know some of his other hits. But uh, uh, a big Bell Bottom Blues fan, but yeah, so I know I know the hits basically. So I'm not uh, I, I don't know him super well. Yeah, uh, Kahuna. Yeah, I'm kind of in with Chip. In, in this one, like I, I know the legacy, but not really too much of an avid listener. But I'm here to learn. This is a learning <laughs> one for me, baby. We yeah. had his greatest hits. It was called. It was, it was kind of a, a, a. I didn't understand it at the time, but his greatest hits that we had was called "The Cream of Clapton." Yeah, yeah. That's a little little rude to include Derek and the Dominoes tracks on there, but what did he did? What he did. <laughs> so, this is cre- actually my first time hearing about Derek and the Dominoes. Oh, we'll, we'll get into it. He, yeah. he, he, he basically recorded a whole album about how much he wanted to bang his best friend's wife. <laughs> and when you boil it down, it was he it, it was George Harrison's wife. Are you serious? Yeah. Patty yeah, Boyd. True. Patty Boyd. Wow. Uh, that's yeah. what Layla's all about. Yeah. Lay, Layla, Bell Bottom Blues, Wonderful Tonight. Plus, George Harrison wrote a bunch of songs about her. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, that that whole album was 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 like his love letter to his best friend's wife. I mean, didn't it succeed? Yeah, yeah, it did. It, it, they got married. It worked. Because yeah. I could have sworn that that was Eric Clapton's wife. I think. Yes. Okay. There we go. Yes. I yeah. Think they got together in like '74. Got married in like '79. I think I read that, and they were together for like a, I think like a decade. Damn, yeah. that must be one good album. It's a right? it's a good album. I listen. Like my thing is, like if Guns and Roses can get in on the strength of one album, I, I think that <laughs> you can put Derek and the Dominoes in there. Make Kahuna. George Harrison induct uh, ro- ro- Real quick. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. Just saying. Make George Harrison induct uh, Derek and the Dominoes. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a neat trick. I would enjoy that. <laughs> sorry to cut you off. Chip. <laughs> oh, that's right. I just wanted to know, uh, Kahuna, uh, whose wife is in the Key of Christmas about? Oh, God. <laughs> Mrs. Claus. Anyway, continue. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. Um, well, let's let's take a, a brief, brief dive through their history. So Clapton joins the Yardbirds in 1962. Uh, he's in his early 20s at this point. And um, he is a devotee of the blues. Hell yeah. He's he's completely immersed in the blues and BB uh, King, Robert Johnson, Buddy Guy. Like this is all he's he winds listening up doing to. an album with BB King, doesn't he? He did an album with BB King late yeah. in in both of their careers. Uh, what not, an accomplishment! Not a great album though. Damn, Riding with the King was a decent song, but I think everything else was absolutely forgettable on that. Yeah, that's. <laughs> But it's like whatever you just want to say, like you just want to say that you did something with your hero, right? Absolutely. Um, 
that's funny. I saw, I was watching interviews. So there's a really amazing documentary on Eric Clapton on Showtime called A Life in 12 Bars. And you see an interview with B.B. King in the early 60s. And they're like, hey, what do you think about all these white boys from London trying to sound like you? And B.B. King said, oh, well, you know, they might be able to teach themselves to play guitar like I do, but they're never going to be able to sing like I do. He's the, they're, they're, they, they haven't lived the blues. They don't have that tone. They don't have the soul of authentic bluesmen. He said, so, you know, I'm, I'm fine with them playing like me, but I know that they'll never sound like me. And then a um, few years go by, and at this point, Eric Clapton uh, very graciously was one of those guys that always talked about his influences and his heroes and tried to bring them along for the ride as much as he could. So Clapton starts performing at these festivals, and he's taking B.B. King with him. So now he's like opening doors that B.B. King couldn't open on his own. And B.B. King's making more money than he ever had at any point. So then you see them interviewing B.B. Uh, King a few years later. And they're like, hey, what do you think about all these white boys from London that want to sound like he was like, God bless those boys. <laughs> they're just as good. They're the real deal. <laughs> well, wasn't it that because um, I looked at the part of England that he's from and it's like uh because people always we hear, I think Americans we hear an accent and we give like this intellectual credit to them that they probably don't earn. And um, I think he's from a part of England that's kind of like uh, would be considered like the South in America. Yeah, where it's like it's all right. He's the only famous person to come out of his town. I'll put it that way. Well, yeah, I was watching that video that you sent me, Ken, the like the twenty-five minute thing mm -hmm. that he was talking about, like the the vaccine and everything like that. And he's like this, he's like looks and sounds like an old retired college professor, but the same thing, man, like it's, it's uh, you know, it's like, if I lived over there, it's like, Oh, this is like Ted Nugent talking, maybe, you know, like, I have no idea. <laughs> like, uh, here comes the fucking Nuge again in his cardigan. <laughs> um, but so he, he joins the Yardbirds and the Yardbirds take over uh, the Rolling Stones in 1962. They take over their weekly residency at the Crawdaddy Club. Uh, so they're playing every Sunday night, and that's where Clapton really starts to like hone his craft. And people take notice of him immediately. That's where like that famous uh, picture. Clapton is God, God. Yeah. The, mm -hmm. the graffiti with the dog urinating right under it. Uh, that's that's from that time period. So he uh, he says he has a revelation one night. He is doing a show with the Beatles. So this was early enough that the Beatles still played live. And he said that like Beatlemania had already begun. So he's side stage watching from the wings and the crowd is screaming so loudly and they're they're losing their shit so much that you can't hear the Beatles play. And he said that um, and that was that was the that's why they ultimately threw in the towel on on touring, uh, because they they couldn't hear themselves. And he said that he immediately like 
he, he saw the frustration on all the Beatles faces that they wanted to play their music and it was just getting lost in a, in a, you know, a symphony of, of prepubescent girls like losing their <laughs> shit. And um, by the way, that's why I love watching you perform, Ken, because the crowd is always completely silent. Yeah. And I just I, I appreciate that about your craft that I can I can literally hear every word. Well, that's all the gaps after I did. I did the same. Uh, I was also they side so respect. They're so respectful of. You. Yes. I just every, saw every single show I've ever seen of you. <laughs> I'm, Ken, I'm Ken Ken. We're having fun tonight. We're having a good time. Ken is hilarious, but his energy is funeral home adjacent. You know I mean? like it's not okay. It's not great. It's, it's you, you. You can always tell it's Ken's set when it's just he's finished and he tells everybody where the luncheon is going to be afterwards. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. My new closer, uh, my new favorite closer is I just go like this. I go, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, pick up Ken's new live album. He looks so natural. (laughs) So he says that he sees the Beatles are becoming huge pop stars and that he's like, well, nobody's ever going to take my music seriously if I'm a pop star. So the Yardbirds, they're cutting their teeth at the Crawdaddy Club. And then they write and they put out a hit they put out their first hit a song called for your love and uh it's poppy so the day it's released and people take notice of it immediately and it starts blowing up on the radio and he says that he looked around and noticed that the band was starting to get the beatles haircuts oh no and he Uh quit he so he quits the band the day that the single comes out and then they've got like this huge hit and they've got no lead guitarist. And uh, the Yardbirds, by the way, they went through. So after Clapton left, uh, he recommends Jimmy Page. But Jimmy Page felt some kind of loyalty to Clapton. So he's like, no, you should get Jeff Beck. So then Jeff Beck joins the group. And then when Beck ultimately quits, then Jimmy Page comes in. So that's that's who they had is their... I mean, just think about that lineup of guitarists that the Yardbirds had. I mean, Clapton to Jeff Beck to Jimmy Page. Yeah. That's crazy. It's crazy. And they they never became that big, which is even like everybody just went off to be big without them. Yeah. It's what I plan on doing to you someday. Thank (laughs) you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, Then he joins John Mayo's Blues Breakers. Uh, because he's super devoted to the blues. He only stays there for seven or eight months. Um, they form Cream, uh, him, Ginger Baker, and Jack Bruce. And then that's when that's when they become enormous. Mm-hmm. Cream, Cream becomes as Cream conquers America. Uh, everybody is freaking out about how good Clapton is. Um they're they're blending rock and jazz and blues in a way that hadn't been done yet. Uh, they also have one of the greatest jazz drummers of all time in Ginger Baker. And like, this is what this is like late sixties, right? Yeah, like mid yeah. 
correct me if I'm wrong, the Cream songs would have been um, in the White Room. Right? Cream, yeah. Cream was like White Room. Bless you. Sun, sunshine, your love. Sunshine, your love. A, white a room, yeah. crossroads. Crossroads. They, cover. they, yeah. they took. I feel free. I feel free. Because okay. um, that one mixes. That's like three genres in one song. You're saying that you could convince yourself you're listening to Motown at the beginning of that. Yes, it's uh, it's pretty trippy, man. Yeah, the absolute worst cover I've ever heard in my life. By the way, oh, Bel- this will be great. Belinda Carlisle doing "I Feel Free." Oh, that's just mean. That's that's great. <laughs> No, I've heard worse covers. Nothing will ever beat Celine Dion singing Highway to Hell. No. That's pretty rough. I made Kahuna listen to this one. Um, I found Edward Furlong doing People Are Strange by The Doors. Ed, the Terminator yes, Kid? Yes, the Terminator Kid doing. Yeah, of and around that time frame, too. It's not like he's an adult trying to be weird. It was as a kid thinking this was cool. And neither of these things are, neither of these things are things we're not making up, which <laughs> yeah. is really unfortunate. I like the kid from... Stranger Things that does like Pearl Jam covers. That's like one of my favorite things to watch. Did you, do you know what I'm talking about? Phil no. he's, he's like in a band. No, uh, the kid with the, the, the teeth missing, the. Oh, Dust. Uh, Dustin. Dustin yeah. something. Yeah. Yes. Whatever his name is. And uh, yeah, he's like in a band. He's like 15 or 16. I mean, he's probably 17 or so now, but like 15 or 16. This is like two years ago. And he, he was like in a band. I think his sister might be in the band or something. And they were doing like Pearl Jam covers. He wasn't half bad, but it's just. You're the kid from Stranger Things doing Pearl Jam covers. And it's just adorable <laughs> to me. I'm just like, okay, this is cute. That's yeah. I'm going to probably wind up watching that on YouTube later. Oh, I thought. Yeah, it's I, one of those things where you're just like, oh, this, it's like I want to hate it. And it's, <laughs> but it's, you're just like, ah, come on. He's, he, he's not hurt nobody, you know? Isn't yeah. Macaulay Culkin in a Velvet Underground cover band, but all and the songs are about songs pizza? About pizza. Yes, to the I tunes of Velvet <laughs> Underground <laughs> songs? Yeah. yeah. Yes, KP, it's real. <laughs> I wonder if we well, can get him on the show. I'm actually pretty excited. Tonight at nine, I'm watching. I don't know if you guys are fans at all. Uh, I'm a big uh, LCD sound system fan. And they have like a, they're doing a Christmas special. But like the first half of it is basically like a sitcom about LCD sound system. And Eric Wareheim from Tim and Eric is playing James Murphy. But Macaulay Culkin's one of the band mem- is playing one of the band members. It's going to be it's going to either be the greatest thing in the world or like the biggest snooze. I'll get higher watch. And I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's on Amazon tonight. Yeah. Um, So cream cream is where he explodes in popularity. Who's that? Macaulay Culkin. Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But they can't keep it together for very long. This is like this becomes a theme in Eric Clapton's career. So they hang in there for a handful of albums, but actually the animosity in the band apparently is between Ginger Baker and Jack Bruce. Ginger Baker, we, we got to do an episode on Ginger Baker one day because yeah. he was maybe the biggest fucking lunatic in rock he, history. He had opinions. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Cream, Cream splits up like... Like sixty nine ish, I, mean, I want to yeah, say. It, it looks, up, it looks like they said sixty six to sixty eight. I'm looking at it right yeah. now. Did yeah. they split? Did they split a couple they, of times? No, they split up once, and then they they did they did a mini reunion tour like in the mid two thousands. So this yeah, is so great. They, they got together just for the Hall of Fame performance in ninety three, and then and, and it looks in you know, 05, I guess they got yeah. Together. They did some shows at the Royal Albert Hall, and they also did some at the Garden. And then that was that was it. I think I texted you about this when you told me the topic for the episode. But did um, I, uh, Clapton admits this 
in uh, the Hall of Fame either speech. I think it was either for the band or was for him. But uh, it's pretty great. Apparently, he heard the band for the first time, mm-hmm. probably like uh, Big Pink or something like that he heard. And he just heard them play for the first time and uh, goes, and I knew right then and there I was quitting Cream and I flew to America to go join the band. And then Robbie Robertson and Levo are like, yeah, I don't know if you're a good fit, man. We're, you know, we kind of just do our thing. We just get in here and record and work really like, so they're like, listen, you're probably one of the best blues guitarists in the world right now, but we got a thing and, you know, you can't sit with us. They pretty much told Eric Clapton to go, yeah, you go back to England, fucko. <laughs> That's amazing. You go yeah. back across the pond. Yeah. Uh, call yeah. Ginger up and apologize, you jerk. <laughs> but that's a 100% true story. Well, he tried to quit on hearing him. It's, it, well, he does say, um, I, I was reading a bunch of interviews last night, and he does credit music from the Big Pink as changing his life, where he realized that nothing is bigger than the song and that he was getting sick of all the flashy solos. He was getting sick of being a virtuoso and he just wanted, he just wanted the guitar to blend in with the rest of the song and not have to be the thing that everybody came to see. He thought that it should just serve the song. And, um, if you listen to like uh, his early solo records or Derek and the Dominoes, it's, you know, I mean, Layla's got the really famous guitar riff, obviously, but the rest of that album, it's almost like Southern Roots music. And, and I don't know exactly the, the thing, but I think like I think it was Dwayne Allman who actually wrote the, like the Layla lead mm-hmm. guitar, at least the at least the main riff, I think. Dwayne Allman plays lead guitar on something like nine of the 11 tracks or 10 of the 11 tracks. Oh, shit, yeah. Really? Clapton just sat back and, and played rhythm and, and noodled around. And uh, yeah, it was it was Dwayne Allman That's that, fucking wild. that does. That. Yeah. Um, in that band was uh, Bobby Whitlock, uh, Jim Gordon, the drummer who went on to, uh, I believe, murder his mom. Chip, wow. were, were you the one that told me about that? I don't know. I I don't think so. That doesn't ring. That sounds, that like, that sounds like something that would ring a bell. You'd be like, oh yeah, yeah I remember that's... the guy that murdered his mom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The the drummer, uh, the drummer, eventually went schizophrenic and murdered his mom. And and Clapton saying the reason he broke up Derek and the Dominoes was because he got into an argument with that dude one day in the studio. <laughs> And Clapton stormed out and just never returned. And that was the end of Derek and the Dominoes. Wow. There's a little well, bit and- of Cartman to him, isn't there? Uh, yeah. He's got a little like, <laughs> screw you guys. British Cartman. <laughs> screw you guys. Yeah. I'm going home. Well, that, that's crazy. So I, I didn't realize it was the same Jim Jordan, Jim Gordon, if it's if it's that guy. So Jim Gordon apparently is the one who came up with the piano you know, like the outro, the piano mm-hmm. outro. But then apparently it was found out later that it was Rita Coolidge, who was Jim Gordon's girlfriend, is the actual one who wrote it. And he basically just like stole or just took that piano song that Rita Coolidge had written and then like used it and was like, oh, yeah, I did it. And then she apparently got the credit years later. So and then I guess oh, that's he interesting. Killed his mom. Yeah. And then he killed his mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Just side note. Yeah. In his defense, uh, I did read somewhere that his mom just wouldn't get off his back. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's just like Will Smith says, parents just don't understand. <laughs> like, why not just rap a, write a fun rap about it and be done with it? That's what I would have done, mom. You know, it's like this guy had to come on, like use your words, guy. You know. So okay, um, we, yeah. It, it, on June third, nineteen eighty three, Gordon attacked a seventy two year old mother, Osa Marie Gordon, with a oh, with a hammer. I remember. I think you telling me about this oh. with a hammer before fatally stabbing her with a butcher knife. So he started with a hammer. And then went to the butcher. It's like a whole game of Clue in one. <laughs> like, That's some Spade uh, Cooley shit right there. It really is. Yeah, he claimed that a voice told him to kill her. Uh, only after his arrest for his murder, Gordon properly was diagnosed with schizophrenia at his trial. The court accepted that he had acute schizophrenia, but he was not allowed to use insanity because of the changes in California law. Some yeah, law. And then on in 84, he was sentenced to 16 years to life in prison. Uh, on, in March of 2018, he was denied parole for the 10th time and was tentatively uh, eligible uh, in 2021. As of 2020, he is serving his sentence in California Medical Facility. So looks like he's still uh, doing his thing. I wonder if we can get him this zoom in. Yeah. <laughs> for 15 minutes at a time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and like, oh, how great would it be if like you, you zoomed him in and like I the people at home can't see but like you're sitting at a nice table right now you know in the recording studio and just on the table in front of you is just like six weapons and you're just like choose yeah. a candlestick candlestick a rope. rope yeah this voice is telling you to do things <laughs> um he just he's like what's that voice and then he just goes out because he's listening to the podcast he just goes out and buys a casper mattress <laughs> <laughs> Uh. <laughs> perfect perfect uh, so um yeah so he he forms Derek and the dominoes and releases what i truly believe to be one just a masterpiece double album like possibly pretty close to a perfect album and, and Wait, which which album is this? Derek and the Dominoes. It's called Layla and, and uh, Assorted yeah. Love Songs. Yeah, they only had the one album, right? That was it. That's it. Yeah. And the thing is that they like nobody knew that it was Eric Clapton because it was they called it Derek and the Dominoes, and um, uh, they go out on tour and it's not selling tickets, and it's not until people figure out that it's Clapton, and then. They go from it just explodes overnight. And, you know, Clapton said that um, I read something interesting in an interview where he said, you know, he had already been kind of rich and famous for a while at this point. And when Derek and the Dominoes took off the way it did, like most of the people in the band had never had any real taste of money or fame. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, the, you know, they went. I guess it'd be like winning the lottery, you know, like think how think how off the rails things would go for you. So maybe not you, Chip, but KP, I feel like for sure. Oh. Look what I'm doing and I haven't won the lottery. <laughs> uh, well, and that's what the thing, too, like I like I used to talk about this on stage. It, it, like I would never I don't think I'd ever want to win the lottery. Like I just I'm just tethered to my own reality now. Like I don't want to find out who chip chantry really is like i, I don't want to go because like i'm not a big drink or drug guy but like i would find some weird shit to do 
And like, I don't want to know if I had the t- free time to do that. I, I, I don't want to investigate that. It's mm. just going to go south and it's going to be weird. No, nah, I feel like I'd still want to win the lottery, but I don't want to yeah. publicly win the lottery. Like, I'm going to show up in a fucking yeah. mask. In a mask, yeah. yeah basically. Right, yeah. Like, yeah. like, that one guy showed up to to claim his earnings in a fucking ghost face mask. Amazing. <laughs> that was, like, inspiring. So, um, Clapton is credited with uh, bringing reggae to America. He covers he covers Bob Marley. Yeah. I shot the sheriff there's in 1974. A weird, um, there's a weird uh, immigration wave that goes on because uh, Jamaica is still considered part of the British Empire around that time, I think. So the Jamaican influence in uh, the UK is starting to get felt. They're coming over and they're taking it's like a lot of uh, like blue collar jobs. They're working with like the other blue collar guys and the Jamaicans love drinking beer at the end of the day, too. So. It kind of was like a, a good cohabitation in that thing. So it, it was cool that they started covering the reggae. Like, that's literally what UB40 is. Yeah. It's just those two things yes. mixing up together. Yeah. So uh, covering Marley's pretty fucking. That was the track that, that was my mom's favorite song, actually. We used to listen to that all the time. Yeah, that was. On the way to church. It was, you know what? I was, um, I was, I was watching it today, and it's not a song I've chosen to listen to and got you know 20 years but i'm going through clapton uh, i'm going through some live performances today on youtube and i happened to watch that and um i'm like i was trying to picture like how crazy that must have sounded in america in 1974 when they had no idea what reggae was or who bob marley was and uh for the song went to number one which is, you know, and then that and then you've got Bob Marley coming over here and Peter Tosh. And it, it, he he's credited with, you know, introducing introducing a whole style of music to to the country to uh, to show my age too. Um, I was born in 87. And uh, so I actually remember being confused that I didn't believe Eric Clapton was British because his version of I Shot the Sheriff almost has a Western vibe to it. Yeah. So, and a lot of his other music does that. With, like, I, I thought he was just an American dude, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, so I was pretty surprised to find out that he was uh, British in the first place. But that's a great jam. Uh, his cover of, uh, what was it? Uh, um, Knocking on Heaven's Door. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's got great. a lot of reggae vibe yeah. to it in there, too. Yeah. Um, I, I'll, I'll say this. I think that's better than uh, the Guns N' Roses version. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have a breaking statement coming in. Uh, I'm willing to be out there, guys. <laughs> Can't oh, chaos okay. to but, but could Clapton sing that song live and rock a pair of bike shorts like Axl Rose can? I don't I don't think so. There's time. Yeah, oh, there is. Yeah. <laughs> um that was my favorite era of gun, like Guns N' Roses when they just really got big. But when it was like just where like Axl Rose would just show, show up on stage in like like biker shorts and, and a mink coat. Like that was just that was his vibe. And you're like, this is there's no way this can end well. <laughs> I don't know. I, you guys have a great listenership, too. And it's it's people who really enjoy music. So I don't want to say anything too crazy. But how awesome was it that Axl used to show up with like. You know, like like pierced nipples and the biker shorts on. Just talk on stage like, I hate gay people. <laughs> <laughs> um, Axel. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, well, speaking of uh, hate, let's let's get in. Let's get into some of uh, I, I feel like everybody knows 
you know, what Clapton's accomplished. Um, let's talk, let's talk about, uh, his first real brush of controversy. It's a good one. In, in, uh, August 5th, 1976, I actually have the transcript here. Um, there was, uh, he, in his defense, he was still upset that it was the 200th anniversary of when they lost the war. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a happy bicentennial for everybody. No. <laughs> By the way, I was born in 1976 and and I am oddly proud of being a bicentennial. It's like it's like the one thing that I have nothing to do with that I'm yeah. just most oddly proud of. Yeah, oh, that's great. I love it. Um like I'm like, "Oh, you were born in 77, you fucking loser." <laughs> Uh, so Clapton, so there was, there was, um, a far right politician in Britain at the time who was basically like, like a seventies British Trump where he was just like, get all, get all the fucking immigrants out, you know? And, uh, his name was Enoch Powell. So, um, Eric Clapton at a concert in Birmingham, visibly intoxicated on stage, goes into this rant in between songs. I'm going to read it. Can we it. put it to music to see if it fits? There's, maybe there's some iambic <laughs> pentameter to this that we're not... What song do we pull up? It's a, uh, something from your album. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> do, do you just have a Christmas instrumental yeah, that just, I can... I, you know... Hold I, by the way, I just learned about... I, like, I, like I said, I didn't know about that too much about climate things, but boy, this is a... This is a Boy, this is a speech that I read just today for the first time, and wow, is it is it is, is it a doozy? How big is it? Like, it's pretty is it, how long does it go for? Uh, I mean, it's just, that, it's, it's I don't know, thirty seconds. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was like no, 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 no. This this for... was this was just this was just an onstage rant in support. But, but in those twenty or thirty seconds, he uses his time wisely. I got to say that. <laughs> Ain't he no is, fat on these jokes, he does, baby. He does not mince words at all. Yeah, every every word counts. Are right, you ready? All right. I got a holiday instrumental. Okay. Ready? Yes. And go. Do we have any foreigners in the audience tonight? If so, please put up your hands. So where are you? Well, wherever you are, I think you should all just leave. Not just the hall. Leave our country. I don't want you here, in the room, or in my country. Listen to me, man. I think you should vote for Enoch Powell. Enoch's our man. I think Enoch's right. I think we should send them all back. Stop Britain from being a black colony. Get the foreigners out. Get the wogs out. Get the coons out. Keep Britain white. I used to be in the dope. Now I'm into racism. <laughs> we gotta circle back That's to talk about line. that. It's much heavier, man. Fucking wogs, man. Fucking Saudis taking over. London, bastard wogs. Britain's becoming overcrowded, and Enoch will stop it all and send them back. There's more, but I feel like we got our point across. <gasps> yeah, I think he got the gist, Ken. Yeah. Um, can we just circle back to I used to be in the dope, but now I'm into racism? I mean, <laughs> is that is that not the title of your next album? As comics, the, 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 I appreciate the line. So I hope that that was his way out of trying to say, here's just me trying to be like he had a Kramer moment or something. But it's pretty bad, dude. 
Yeah, it's I mean, he he doubles and triples down in that yeah. time. I mean, like, how do you I, I, I'm kind of shocked that I didn't know. I've never heard that before. Like today. Do you know what I mean? You would think that that I mean, I guess it was a 70. Like you would think that it would just end things. People like fuck this guy. But yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, it's like, hey, how how'd you get off cocaine? So I just started hating Jews. And then it seemed <laughs> like I had no more time for cocaine. You had to focus. <laughs> I used to be in the dope, but now I'm in the racism. So um, he uh, there's a little bit of a controversy there. It actually kickstarts the rock against racism uh, movement. Now, what's weird is because Clapton is also on record, like being pro civil rights before this. Like he, I, I saw an interview where he was asked, do you think blues will ever become mainstream in America? And he was like, I don't think so, because. Things there are so charged racially that for them to accept a, a black man in his voice, they would have to accept civil rights. And I don't think they're there. So um, he's, you know, I guess he's playing both sides of, of the coin here. I mean, I'm going to give him a little credit for being visibly intoxicated, too. You know, um, it's uh, there's the idea of a drunk mind speaking a sober heart or something like that. But yeah. Uh, there's also like I, maybe that guy was just we don't know what that rush is like to be on stage and have the crowd eating out of the palm of your hand. We're like, I could probably get away with saying this right now. <laughs> These are my people. That'd be like Mel Gibson, like getting pulled over by the cops, giving his rant. But then he just rips into a crazy solo. Like, oh, Mel. oh, Mel. Dude, wasn't he? It was at the height of his fan, the, the Winona Ryder thing with Gibson. Did you hear about this, Chip? Yeah. It, I don't it was, think so. It was like the height of his fame. Uh, Winona Ryder was like on the rise. Yeah. It's like early 90s. And um, I think the exact quote from Mel Gibson was, he was like talking to her, talking about how pretty she was and stuff like that, maybe using her for a movie. And then uh, she mentioned she was Jewish. And he goes, she goes, uh, she said like her mother's last name or something. He goes, oh, that? You're not an oven dodger, are you? <gasps> Jesus. And it was because Mel Gibson was the king of Hollywood at that time, and he could get away with saying shit like oh that. My God. So I wonder if that part of that's like what Clapton's doing here, where he's just like, yeah, like you said, he goes, I know that I got um, I got a further up on the road solo I'm going to rip through right now that's just going to make this all go away. Jeez. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, but oh, he shit. shortly after this, he he kind of disappears for a few years. Um, let's and let's talk about what's going on with him now, though, where where everybody is. Uh, he, he he, you know, 1976 racist rant aside, he was fairly beloved. Uh, and I really like you never knew his political views. You you never really knew much about him. This wasn't even a guy that gave a lot of interviews. Now, uh, COVID rolls around and he claims he gets the vaccine and uh, he has terrible side effects from the vaccine. He said that um, after the second shot, his hands swelled up and he couldn't play guitar for months and that it was a direct result of the vaccine. Um which, I mean, who knows, you know, I, I don't doubt that he had 
health issues, you know, whether or not they're the result of the vaccine, who knows? But here, here's the thing that I think is interesting. He's already on record as as saying that he's got hand damage that may force him into retirement. Mm-hmm. This is going back almost 10 years. Yeah. Um, he was talking about having to retire. He's got some sort of nerve damage that fucks with his hands. So you like you can't have the condition and then get the vaccine. And you know what I like Magic Johnson can't get the vaccine and be like, oh, it gave me AIDS. <laughs> It's like no, you're you're on record. We we already. I I saw the press conference. I know that you also well, like twenty something years at least of just full on alcoholism. Yeah, drug use, heroin. Yeah, you're gonna get um, what's it called, dropsy or whatever, where you get like your uh, uh, inflammation. Right. But by by the way, my I think my favorite part of the that that clip that you you sent, mm-hmm. like the interview that he did about this, uh, my favorite line was he said. Uh, I have a terrible fear fear of yes, needles. Yes, yes. It's like, like that's like that's like Bon Scott saying, "I don't like the taste of beer." You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, no, come on. All right, we can. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I, I think I think we're past that right now. I did. Well, he he, you know, he he's got a fear. He, racism cured him of heroin. So like now he, he may have a fear of needles. Um, here's so here's where here's where I get a little like. Is is he out of his fucking mind? Is the media ganging up on him? Maybe a little undeservedly. Um, I'll say this. So I Chip, I sent you this like 30 minute clip, an interview of him talking about his experience with the vaccine. In the end, and this interview is where he's quoted a lot from. So when you hear people talking about him now, oh, oh, this is great. Eric Clapton said he won't play for vaccinated crowds. This is the interview that they're getting it from. Now, Eric Clapton does say, I don't want to play for segregated crowds. He says, meaning, I don't want to play for crowds. Where you have to be vaccinated. Are there any vaccinated people in here tonight? <laughs> put your hands in the air. I want you out. <laughs> Go back home. Or you can't put your hands in the air because the vaccine fucked them up. <laughs> um, but so he does say that he won't play for vaccinated crowds. But then immediately after he says, I also wouldn't play for crowds that said you can't be vaccinated. So yeah. he's. He's saying I, I I wouldn't play for either side where they're telling you this is what you have to do, right? But Rolling Stone magazine clips the soundbite at I won't play to vaccinated uh, crowds. Remember when they were the good guys? Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, uh. I it's I grew up reading Rolling Stone and was just. That was like my Bible, my my whole childhood, you know, up into my early 20s. I had a subscription. I, I, would, I would cut pictures out and hung them on my wall. Like, I, I fucking love that magazine. But, yeah, now lately, uh, I'm not so sure, you know. Um, so it's it's like, well, OK, he did say that. But this was the context that he said it in. And. Let's say you're Eric Clapton 
and you do believe I'm not saying he's right or wrong, but let's say you do believe that this vaccine is what fucked you up so bad. Um, why can't like why can't you tell why can't you tell people that like why why can't you share your experience? Yeah. Well, uh, what's it? Uh, Johnny Ramone. I wish Johnny Ramone was still alive um, because uh, Johnny was um, openly courted the controversy from that stuff. But there yeah. was a theory I've heard written out that it's um, you're in the entertainment business. They don't force you to hold liberal politics. But they force you to not say anything against liberal politics. Like it's like a gag order, borderline like mafia style. Yeah, it's, a <laughs> it's like why people got mad at Chris Pratt lately because he hasn't said a damn thing, and that's that's kind of why they got mad. He hasn't. He's he's the type of person who hasn't said anything, and then because he hasn't said anything, people assume, oh, he's a piece of shit. Yeah, oh, they, they tried with Taylor Swift. They were coming after her for a minute, so then she tried to cancel one like. Assemblywoman from Tennessee, and they're like, "Okay, cool." Taylor's back on board. <laughs> Good, but um, I, I think my, my one of my favorite parts was when he was talking about uh, how, like, because he was like very concerned about his kids. Like, he's like, yeah, I don't want "Well, that's I my wanted, kids, yeah. and I'm worried about them." But then he was talking about how he felt ostracized from his kids, uh, and it's like, "Oh, wait, the 76 year old man is ostracized from his teenage kids." From his teenage kids, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, OK. Yeah, maybe. But he, you know what he's what he said to me that was telling was he said that his wife and three daughters, three teenage daughters are all passionate about you need to get vaccinated. You need to do the responsible thing. So when he went down this path. He said that, like, he's getting the cold shoulder from his kids. They're Would you know my name? <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> this, it's scary that Clapton's actually in the elderly column now. That's kind of a weird thing to think about. Yeah. yeah. He would be at high risk. Um, right. but And, like, maybe this isn't about politics. Maybe this is just about him getting nagged at home by his wife and kids. Like, it's not like, it's like the, it's like the, the, uh, the vaccination is the same thing of like going to Ikea on Saturday. He's like, I'm not going to fucking do it. You know what I mean? Like he's done. Well, you know, he hasn't come out and said anything one way or the other politically. He isn't telling people like, don't get vaccinated. He's saying like, this is what happened. This is what I believe happened to me when I did in my personal thing. Right. So now I'm like, well, you know, why can't he talk about that? Yeah. Um, and then it's like, listen, he went he, he went and did RFK Jr. RFK Jr. is a very famous anti-vaxxer. So he goes and does his podcast. And um, everybody's like, oh, you know, look, at he's talking to this fucking lunatic. What what happened to Clapton? But I, I was trying to put myself in his shoes. So it, if that happened, like if I had that experience and I believed I tr and I believe that he believes it, because if you're getting iced out by three teenage girls and your wife, you you definitely believe what you're you know what i mean like you would at some point you'd be like fuck it i'm just gonna go along to get along and, and have some peace at home so he he clearly has to believe this so if he's screaming it from the mountaintops and nobody's listening to him and everybody's telling him he's crazy and then somebody like rfk jr comes along is like i don't think you're crazy i'll listen to you you know then then maybe okay so let me sit down and talk to this guy 
I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to think about this. Like, I know that um, I think Rolling Stone definitely decided, like, we're going to make an example out of this dude. Because now, like, look at this thing, Chip, you and I were just talking about it off air the other day, like this thing where um, Rolling Stone's like, oh, Eric Clapton sues German widow. That's who was trying to sell an $11 bootleg bootleg of his. And it's like it's so you read the I reacted to the headline. I was like, Eric Clapton suing a German lady with a dead husband. Like, I didn't even know about this. What? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Kahuna. Um, so this lady in Germany, uh, her husband died, uh, fell out a window. Crazy story. Good. And um, <laughs> good God. <laughs> what? Damn, dude. Do you know there was an asshole when I went to junior high? There was an asshole who went around telling people like, well, Clapton hasn't had a hit song in a while. And I think maybe. <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. You, you, I was that asshole. But. I was waiting for it. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I, I wasn't. As of I, three hours ago, by the way, Rolling Stone is saying Eric Clapton is rethinking, collecting nearly no, 4,000. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's so Kahuna. <laughs> here's the story. So this German lady's husband dies. Mm-hmm. So to make some money, she goes on to eBay and starts selling, you know, his possessions that she doesn't want. She starts selling his CD collection in his CD collection. That she is selling for eleven dollars is an Eric Clapton bootleg from like nineteen eighty. Okay. And uh, the headline Rolling Stone runs with is Eric Clapton sues German widow, and and she uh, she's ordered to pay his court fees and her own, so she's got to pay four thousand bucks. Um. And it says, like, Eric Clapton's doing this. Okay. And then you, I had that. Re- I was like, oh, my God, what a fucking dork. Like, what's wrong with this guy? Can't just let this German widow sell her shit. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? So what's the actual problem? The actual story is that um, bootlegging in Germany, like selling bootlegged, uh, selling bootlegs is um, it's, it's really, it's it's really bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's a major no-no. It's really yeah. bad, and you know, c- considering some of the other shit Germany's been up to, you think they just give them? Yeah, you know, and I'd be yeah. like, well, that's much better than uh, genocide. Um, <laughs> let them sell their bootlegs, just so long, you know, just don't, just so long as they're it's not called a bootlegging. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you're not. (laughs) We may call this episode Das Bootlegging. Um, So it's really bad in Germany. And then what happened, like Eric Clapton's not on eBay. Like, oh, I wonder who's selling me shit. He's got a team of lawyers in every country, you know, that that look for that shit. So German lawyers find that this lady's selling it. They send her a cease and desist letter like, hey, do us a favor. You're not authorized to sell that. It's it's not an official recording. Uh, please take it off eBay. And this then this German lady was like, no, fuck you. Take me to court. I'm a German widow. And then they were like, OK. Uh, and then and then the court was like, yeah, you shouldn't have done that. Uh, you owe us. You owe four thousand bucks. Um that's a far cry from like Eric Clapton's who's German widow. And then and then today Clapton releases a statement saying, 
we're not taking this lady's money. You know, just just take it off eBay, and we don't. We're not going to collect the fine. We don't care about the money. So that's that's a pretty far cry from what was already said. What what, what Rolling Stone yeah. runs, and then you know, fifty other publications take that story and run with it. The other interesting thing that I thought was. Um, he, he Eric Clapton just puts out this new album. So he's supposed to do a run of shows at Royal Albert Hall uh, right when the pandemic hits. So obviously those get canceled. And um, what he does instead is um, he, he's got this like, you know, this this mansion in, in, in the English countryside. He has some of his band come. And they decide to record a live album right there in his in his home. And um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So they do. It's just it was it's sort of like a sequel to his unplugged. You know, it's it's a fairly quiet acoustic album doing some of the Derek and the Dominoes songs. He does some Peter Green from Fleetwood Mac covers. It's just like a cover of Black Magic Woman on it. It's called The Lady in the Balcony because. His wife is the only person in the audience. So they 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 cut a live album to an audience of one. And so I go looking on Rolling Stone to see what they how they review it. Like, what are they going to give this review? And um, it's Rolling Stone didn't even review it. Think about it. Like, this is one of the Biggest musicians on the planet. Yeah. One of the best selling artists of all time, like up there with Michael Jackson and the Beatles. Mm -hmm. And he releases a new album and Rolling Stone doesn't even review it. And then I went and I looked through his discography on Rolling Stone. They there's it's the only album they've never reviewed. So like they won't even call attention. So now I'm like. I don't know. I, I think I feel like both sides are kind of douchers. I mean, it's not bad. It's pretty easy to hate um, on Rolling Stone for some of the shit they're pulling. The, what was the recording you did with Van Morrison, though? Oh yeah, he he he, he did that song "Stand to Deliver." Yeah, something yeah. like that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah so a great quote about it. If I can pull it up, yeah, it was uh, like. Um, Clapton had another great quote, too, where he he hates the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because he doesn't think there should ever be anything decent and respectable about rock and roll. Right. <laughs> Which I thought is an awesome quote. But uh, then he winds up showing up in a tuxedo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but he still shows up three times. <laughs> um, his song, uh, what was it? Uh, the single entitled Stand and Deliver that he did with Van Morrison, who's Irish. Um <laughs> The profits from which are donated to Van Morrison's Lockdown Financial Hardship Fund. So I guess like people that lost their jobs or because um, like the arts got straight up butt fucked uh, yeah. in England. Um, right. Even that girl uh, Jade Bird, you and me mm-hmm. listen to a bunch of. She even said it. She goes, "I don't know why the arts has to be the first thing that we kill every time something happens." But um, but Northern Ireland's health minister Robin Swan gave this quote, which I thought was great. This, this is almost like. It's almost back to punk rock where you want the people in authority to be angry at you for this, even though it's kind of a nozzle thing to be, a, you know, uh, taking a stand on. He called the song a smear on all those involved in the public health response 
and this gives great comfort to conspiracy theorists and the tinfoil hat brigade whose crusade against masks and vaccines think that this is a huge global plot to remove freedoms. Like, well, I mean, that's yes. <laughs> It's nuts that the, the Minister of Health had to get involved with an Eric Clapton song. I can't believe that that's what. Again, dude. And, yeah, it's just like yeah, just just stay. Everybody stay in their lane. Like it's like it's like I'm gonna listen to Van Morrison. Like what he has. Like I love the picture that they showed of Van Morrison in that interview again. Like they showed a clip of him, and it's just like Van Morrison. He's literally wearing like a pork pie hat, yeah. sunglasses, <laughs> yeah. and ascot and a crazy blazer. Like it literally looked like you know how like when like if like Yogi Bear runs through like a dressing room <laughs> and then comes out the other end. Like that's that's what Van Morrison looked like. I'm like, you won't you won't wear a mask, but you'll wear you'll it. Wear- <laughs> <laughs> um I mean yeah and listen the the songs are terrible. But I, man, I also the, listen the, I read reviews about the song and I'm reading it and I'm like, oh, my God, this is the worst song. And it hadn't even been released yet. Like some like people were just reviewing it based on the idea that Clapton and Van Mar. Now, listen, turns out their intuitions were dead on the money. <laughs> but yeah. like people are that angry at him that they're reviewing music that they don't even have access to yet. So it's Ryan Adams. Next few projects are going to suck. Everything before he sexually harassed Liz Fair is great, though. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it becomes like a separating the art from the artist sort of thing. But I don't I it's weird. I, I went into this definitely thinking like, oh, Clapton is like this fucking anti-vax wackadoodle and what happened to him. But then after like, listen, I still think he's out there and uh, I, I think that he's done and said some not great things. But I, I feel like I also recognize that maybe there is this like, you know, public decision that like, oh, that this guy's not pushing the message that we want him to push, so let's all punish him. Like I saw like there's this this meme that went around. They they um it just came I just saw it yesterday. Alex Alice Cooper, uh I guess every Thanksgiving goes down to a soup kitchen and then feeds the homeless. I don't was that I thought it was Lily Tomlin in that <laughs> <laughs> Pretty it, sure, it was but it, it said uh, in a world full of Eric Clapton's being Alice Cooper, mm-hmm. and then I was like, I was thinking about it. I'm like, well, Eric Clapton has performed in every single charity thing that he's ever been asked to do. He opened up. He spent his own money opening up a rehab facility in Antigua. Um, yeah. Oh shit. I did. Okay. He, he opened up the Crossroads facility, and what they do is, if you're local and uh, have a substance abuse problem or alcoholism, if you're local to Antigua, it's free. Like he he's per, he's he literally saved lives. You know. So then it's like. All right, like we're just you're just gonna forget every single thing yeah. that this guy did because you don't. Well, agree. And then you just like, and I, and I think it's people have to take sides one way or the other. It's like, let's look at what he did. He did these great things. He also said some horrible shit. Yeah, do you know what I mean? He made some great music, and like it's so it's like it's a, it's like a sum of the you know like it's like well you know and then and and it's like 
it's like people either have it's it's either like Clapton is God or fuck him. You know yeah, what I mean? It's like Clapton it's, is God awful. Yeah, right. It's <laughs> there's something in the middle. Do you know what I mean? He's like he's done some shit or whatever. And also the fact that too, like I'm watching this video and he's like, we also have to correct it. Like he's a rock legend, but he's also just an old man now. Yeah. Like do an old man. She's like, well, I wasn't really believing this. And then somebody showed me this YouTube video and I'm like, oh, here we go. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yes, this is something Clapton that like, struggles with a, a remote for eight a, minutes. Exactly. Like, that's what it is. He's just like, he's got the nose hair, you know, com- the gray nose hair coming out. And he's just yes. like, yeah. So, you know, somebody just told me to, you know, I was like, I was, I was using the clicker and I found this show about the vaccine. You're like, all right. Okay. Yeah. I was, I was on <laughs> like the vaccine channel. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Every British impression I do is either Ringo Starr or Amy Winehouse. Like there's no in between. <laughs> Um, um, where the fuck? I think we want to talk about the son of Dracula now, right? (laughs) Where's Brian O'Halloran then? Um, so yeah, I don't, I, I just, I'm, I, I, it's weird. I definitely came into this with one mindset, but then I was like, oh, maybe he's like, I got like when I, when I saw that quote about maybe he's just an old man. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's well, you know what else? You know what else? What oh, is. this 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 is what I wanted to say. So he grew up like in this documentary. So he grew up in one of those situations where um, his mom. He was told was his sister. So his oh boy, his mother gave his mother had him when she was 16 mm-hmm. and his grandparents he was told that his grandparents were his mother and father and that his mom was his sister. And then when he got old enough, I guess he found out the truth or they told him the truth. And um, Eddie Vedder wrote a song about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a pretty good idea for a kid, Eddie Vedder. No, I, just do. I don't even know why I started that. I was listening to it and I was just like, damn, that is a steep cliff drop. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then, so his mom, so like when he finds out, he was like, oh, you're my mom. And she was like, no, I'm not your mom. Like, I don't want anything to do with you. And then she moves to Canada and then she, (laughs) she comes back a few years later with a half brother. And now at this point, he's famous, he's rich, you know, he was probably like in cream at this point. You know, could have set her up for life if she'd just been kind of nice to him. And uh, he was like, hey, so do you want to be my mom now? And she was like, no, not really. God damn. And then uh, when he met his brother, he was like, oh, so you're my brother. And then the mom was like, no, don't call him your brother. So... um, I feel like he's got, yeah, he's, he's got some emotional issues going on there. Yeah. Baggage. Yeah. 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 He, he's got, he's, I think he's got a healthy distrust of most people, you know, based on, uh, um, I don't know how to tie that into everything. I just thought it was a fucked up anecdote. Yeah. That's, that is, yeah, I didn't realize that. Well, when you're fucked from inception, you know, it's not weird to see something that it comes out later on in life. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, considering all things considered, he, he actually did, you know, other than the racist meltdown and, 
You know what bummed me out was that he, so he writes Layla and Bell Bottom Blues and all these songs about Patty Boyd. And he, you know, it, it was like back at a time when he, he went to George Harrison and was like, hey man, I'm in love with your wife. And then George was like, well, you know, if you want her, have her, I guess, you know, who am I to stand in the way? And they stayed friends. Like they all stayed, but it bummed me out that they, that they split up. You know, like how, like if you're going to go through that all that, that, that the Clapton Patty and Patty Boyd split yeah. up after yeah. like. Well, apparently it was like, uh, I, I, and I just read a couple brief things about it, but like he, he was a lot of alcoholism. There was like abuse yeah. in the relationship. It went on for like 10 years. He, yes. He like admitted to like raping her. Yes. And stuff like yeah, that yeah. When he, so it's like, yeah, I don't think it was the happiest marriage in the world. No, but it's like yeah. you listen to that music and you're like, what are you fucking. Yeah, you, you fucked it up for, for you this. Ra- you raped yeah, like, Layla? Like, how, <laughs> yeah. you, you poured your heart out and then you raped Layla? Like, what the fuck? Brutes. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Now, yeah. is that the wife? Because he's had a couple. Um, is that the wife that he was trying to have a in vitro fertilization Yeah, that was, with? That yeah. was Patty Boy. And they, could, they couldn't have they kids. They couldn't have kids. And, he, and he's had kids with, like, seven other people. Because right? yeah. uh, she, before they were even split up officially, he had already knocked up the girl that had the kid that would eventually yeah. go out the window right. too. So it's like, yeah, I mean, dude, his life's pretty brutal. Yes. There's yeah. Some, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he certainly lived like now he's authentic blues. Like I think BB King would be like, all right, you've suffered enough. You're, you're a bluesman. You're not a white boy for London <laughs> anymore. What are you? Let's, let's wrap this up with some musical picks. Chip, what are your, what are some of your favorite? What should people listen to? The uninitiated. The uninitiated. Oh, for, for, for Clapton? No, for the fucking Wilco. Yes, for Clapton. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know if you were like 2021 picks or whatever. I was like, you put me on the spot. I, no, know, no, like, no. Just, I, I, I feel like I don't know enough. Like, I would just go to the hits. That like That's basically all I know. So, like, get a hits, greatest hits album. The cream of Clapton, man. Yeah, unless cream you want the same answer, don't ask me because I'll. Yeah. I just, I'm just going to yeah. piggyback off of that. You can find that that cut of Layla with him and Doctor John on YouTube. It's pretty great, and um, his uh, unplugged version of Layla. I think that's tremendous. People, that's people. That's very polarizing mm-hmm. too. People love or hate that. The people that hated that unplugged thing like vehemently hated it. It's. Uh, I don't know. Like I get it because it's a departure from the thing, but it was. Uh, I don't know. I'd never heard an acoustic guitar solo before that. Yeah, so I was like, "What? Oh, you can do that? Holy shit!" And uh, of course, it's um, it's popular right now. But he had a song called "It's in the Way That You Use It," mm-hmm. which was like, um, "What band was Steve Winwood in with him?" Oh, Blind Traffic. Faith. We no, never we never Faith. even yeah. talked yeah. about Blind yeah. Faith. So yeah. it sounds like a Steve Winwood track because it's yeah. so poppy and there's like a synthesizer in the back. But that was recently used in an episode of Rick and Morty. Oh, and, oh, which um, is funny because I think it was that was used from like, the Color of Money. Out. In Color Money. That's yeah. right. I thought it was Color Money. Yes, yeah. Scorsese used it for the yeah. Color Money. Uh, well, I mean, Scorsese knew when to pull out a Clapton track, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, the piano code yeah. over Goodfellas. Yeah. There's oh, nothing yeah, the better greatest. than that. Yeah. That, that I, might be. Ironically, that you know who covers that on stage now in their live show? Or at least they did the night I saw him. It was uh, Guns N' Roses. Oh, they do Layla or just so they do the piano? Coda, they do just right? the piano part um, because they, they brought it into November Rain, I want to mm-hmm. say. I think I remember that right. And then also at one point, Slash just does the Godfather theme on stage. It's It was a very trippy show. I was stone cold sober for it, too. I should remember more. 
Um, yeah, that Blind Faith. So the first song Clapton ever wrote on his own was on that Blind Faith album. And he didn't have enough faith in his voice. He had Steve Winwood sing it. There's a song called In the Presence of the Lord. Great track. Which is absolutely one of my favorite songs. Bell Bottom Blues, I still get. I like it to me. That's the greatest unrequited love song ever written. Like (laughs) I, I still get goosebumps listening to it. And then um, you can find this on YouTube or there's a live album called um, uh, shit, one, one More Car, One More Rider or something like that. I saw him on this tour and you would think like, you know, he does the whole show very heavy on the blues. And then um, at the end, you would think like, well, the, the final song is going to be. You know, it's going to be something that you know and love. The the last oh song of the encore, he does a cover of uh, "Over the Rainbow," and yeah, like good the no? fucking Wizard of Oz song. Is it good? Though? It's amazing. Okay. It, it's right. it's absolutely incredible. And um, I remember being at the concert, and people were like walking out in the middle of it, like, "What the fuck uh. is this?" And I was I sat there in my seat until the lights came on because I was like, that was that that's one of the most unexpected but best uh, cover songs I ever saw. So. All right. I think that uh, I think that does it for this week. Uh, KP, where can people find you? And real, real quick, tell people what American Losers about. Oh, cool, man. Thank you. Uh, Ken's been a guest on a couple of the funniest episodes we had, too. Um, but uh, me and my dad do a show every week. It's called American Loser. We tell weird stories from American history. It's been going for about three years now. And uh, originally started off as a book idea, and it has now morphed into a podcast because we're, we're fucking lazy. Um, At least you know. Yeah. First step towards recovery is admitting the problem. Absolutely. And, of course, our sound engineer for that bad boy is none other than the big kahuna, too. Um, but uh, we have a lot of fun with that one, man. Uh When's this coming out, Ken? This uh, this will be out on Monday. Awesome, man. Uh, so I'm done. I'm toast for uh, 2021, but uh, 2022 is going to be pretty great. I'm going to be at the Creek in the Cave in Austin, Texas, January 6th, 7th, and 8th, I think. Yeah, 6th, 7th, and 8th. Uh, side splitters in February, President's Day weekend. And I think January uh, 13, 14, 15, I'm back over at Mohegan Sun. So uh, if you guys want to come see me out there, it's at KP Burke Sucks over on Instagram. The podcast is called American Loser. And uh, thank you guys for having me. It's fucking fun. Yeah, yeah thanks, thanks for coming on. Here. Thanks for coming on. Chip? Uh, just at Chip Chantry. Find me at Chip Chantry for all my for Instagram and Twitter for uh, all my stuff. Ken Krantz? Uh, come see me New Year's Eve. I'm going to be with Van Morrison at, uh, <laughs> I'm going to, what, what, what are you doing tomorrow? You can say what you're doing tomorrow. <laughs> oh, tomorrow. Well, I don't know. I just got a call from Vinnie Brand while we were recording. So oh, who boy. knows? Oh, but boy. I'm supposed to be headlining the stress factory tomorrow, December 23rd in New Brunswick. Uh, but if not New Year's Eve, Poughkeepsie, laugh it up. And, uh, that's it. Kahuna. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, Arcade Player One. Uh, just released my album in the key of Christmas, and that's everywhere: Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music. Also, physical CDs available. Uh, you can find the link on my Twitter. All right, sounds good. That's it. All right, bye everybody. Bye everybody.